0: Hi, everybody I want to welcome you to the librarian influencers podcast and today i'm very excited to have karina kilantan garza with us and she's also known as q the librarian so can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your
1: background in the library uh, yes yeah, so well first of all thank you for inviting me to your podcast today um, yes my name is karina kilantan garza i am currently a middle school library media specialist at jaime escalante middle school with psj isd and far Um, I started off as an ELA teacher and then made my transition as a librarian after I graduated from Sam Houston State in 2014. So this past year, I actually finished or wrapped up my 10th year as an educator slash fifth year as a middle school librarian. And I think it was a really epic way to end the year considering everything that's been going on. I never imagined that a whole decade of education would end in virtual learning. So that was pretty interesting. It caught everybody off guard.
0: Yeah, you know, we always talk about future ready. I I think someone needs to write some articles now about were we future ready, you know, did, did we, and I think we did. I think the librarians were ready. We jumped in and everybody was definitely future ready and ready to help the rest of of their campuses with everything.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's funny that you bring that up because I actually did reference that framework a lot. Oh, Um, Yeah, well, I was trying to plan um, different webinars to offer my, my staff. So they were prepared as much as they could be.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. So thinking back to when you got started a couple of years ago, what do you remember about those
1: very earliest years? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. I wanted to quit. Uh, Yeah, I really wanted to quit. I was so overwhelmed. Um, I don't have an assistant. I still don't have an assistant. And at the time, I think because I was so overwhelmed by the space and all the possibilities of what could actually take place in the library, and um, almost like a power struggle between what I wanted to do and what I was allowed to do, um, was something that I really had to take into consideration as to how I was going to go about the school year. And I just desperately missed the classroom. I missed being with the kids one on one, the dynamics were just completely different, and I really missed teaching as a core teacher. And um, at the time, I, I guess the teachers had been so used to a certain view of the library space and um, I guess some of the programs that took place before I got there. So it really took me a while to build up a program and an environment um, that displayed and showcased how strong the library's program could be. Um, as long as you know, everybody was kind of involved in the decision making process. So like when I try to do something in the library. Now, you know, I try not to take it just upon myself to say this is what we're going to do. I take the input of the teachers, the staff, um, you know, and my administrators, but especially the students. So I think at the beginning, I was, I was a little Strong-willed, I guess you could say. I was a little—I was very stubborn, <laughs> and I still am to a certain degree. But um, I know now to be very flexible because as much as I had planned something at, let's say, three weeks in advance, yeah, um, and it would be canceled for whatever you know campus event that really upset me. But now I just know, you know what, I have to be more flexible and just realize that it's a community space,
0: mm-hmm. not
1: necessarily just mine. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I know early on, I mean, because when
0: you're in school, graduate school, and you're like, I want it to be, it's going to be my library. I can't wait to get to my library. And then you <laughs> get here and you realize it's, it's not my library, you know.
1: Exactly. It's, it's, yeah. It's not it, library. <laughs> absolutely. And it took me a while to kind of get over that thinking. And sometimes it, d- it does still bother me. But, you know, after a while, I guess, because the staff, They've learned, you know, that everything that I do is for the kids, and I try to make it a welcoming environment for the kids, and yes, the staff too. But um, luckily, I have administrators that are are very flexible with me too, so I'm very appreciative of that, also, you know, because I know that there's some librarians out there that maybe struggle with, um, you know, the administrative decisions on their campus. And luckily, I'm in a really good spot right now. So, awesome. yeah, my administrators
0: are awesome. That's great. So when you were getting started, were there things that that were really working well for you?
1: Um, Yeah. So um, going back to the fact that I don't have an assistant, (laughs) I I reached out to the kids um, and created a program called, you know, Library Ambassadors or whatever. And it was based on Uh, an article that i had read in grad school and thought wow you know this university did it with college kids maybe i can do it with middle school kids Mm -hmm. so uh, i just kind of involved like a little uh application and interview process like they were actually applying for jobs you know they had to get references from the teachers and they get little badges and they help me with events or with the daily organizational tasks of the library and help me come up with uh, different ideas for programming they help me with uh, tech support you know if I have other kids in there and so um, help me with displays so they've been they've been really really um I guess helpful and it's really influenced how the kids take ownership of the library too so that's something that really worked well for me and i know that i mean there's been times where i've heard librarians saying oh you know but i like the library a certain way i don't want the kids to touch it you know they don't know how it goes so i'm just gonna say it's not an easy task to take on because it takes me a few weeks to train them properly and it was a little tough this year because I was out for maternity, maternity leave the first semester, but um, the time that I was there before you know, I had my kid, uh, they actually really did do a great job <laughs> of keeping the library in order while I was out. So that's something that really helped out considering that the majority of the kids that were helping me this year were eighth graders. So they had already known what to do because I they were experience. with me in six, seven. So I completely trusted them while I was out. And um, in addition to that, I, I do use social media for the library. So I have a library, Instagram at library and that's really helped me reach out and connect with other librarians and give me ideas as to, you know, what I want to do in the library and um, you know, just mainly making it student-centered where I can showcase what the kids are doing and making sure that I'm offering that outreach to the community saying, you know, hey, look at our library, look what we're doing. You know, it's it's awesome. And for anybody that wants to grab ideas, by all means. And um, I also did genreify the Library. The Library Ambassadors helped me with that too. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is a huge task. It was, oh my gosh, monumental. Um, and there's definitely some stuff that I would have done differently, but at the time, I guess like five years ago, it was still a fairly new concept. Yeah. So I know that there's new ways of jumping into the genreifying game now that I would probably take on if I had to do it all over again. But um, that really helped me improve my circulation statistics. So that's been pretty cool. And I know not everybody's on the genreifying, you know, bandwagon, but. I guess to each their own, right? I guess you kind of have to make decisions based on your kids and what benefits yeah. them. So that those are three things that I really think worked out.
0: for right. Well, you mentioned that you might have done some things differently with the genre fine, but just in general, were there some things that you, you would have done differently at the beginning? Um, in the library,
1: just in general, anything. Um, I I guess, generally speaking, I guess, when you're taking on a new role as a librarian and you're Comparing your experience to what it was like in the classroom. um, I was comparing my work to very seasoned librarians. So I guess if I had to do something differently or tell myself something earlier on, if I could go back in time and tell myself something (laughs) was not compare my experience to other librarians because I had just started out and um, avoiding learning new things because I I guess I was very arrogant like oh yeah no I totally know how to do that but there there are just so many um so many facets to librarianship that I feel like we're constantly learning and we have to be on on our toes because we never know what what life's gonna hand us and you know take what happened this year for example pandemic yeah yeah so just you know not comparing myself to other people and just always learning willing to learn being open-minded and flexible definitely being flexible yeah yeah and that is
0: hard like we were just talking about at the beginning because you go in this is your plan this is my library and i'm going to knock these things out and then you know yeah let's just deal with what's at hand you know. (laughs) You mentioned the pandemic you know and then so it's changed everything that we have ever done before the way we've done things. But let's talk about this summer. Like I know in summers, I used to use that time to prep and get ready for next year. Um, So what kind of things are you doing now?
1: Oh gosh. Okay. So I usually make (laughs) a back to school checklist in May and I leave it on my desk. So in August, I know exactly where it is and what to refer to, but now I've been using this summer to kind of catch up on my own learning. I've been participating in a lot of courses that help me um, get some micro-credentials under my belt just so that I'm, um, I guess, knowledgeable in different technology platforms. So if there's something that I see that may benefit my staff, whether we decide to go face-to-face or remotely or hybrid, um, there can be something for every teacher. And at the moment, I am currently trying to make a tiered action plan for my library. So the beginning of the year usually looks like, okay, work on my bulletin boards, you know, work on my orientation, set up my calendars. And this time it's like, okay, what am I going to do when the books come in? Now I have to think about quarantining or quarantined books, you know, sanitation. Um, How is the library gonna look if we only have a certain percentage of kids this day? How is it gonna look if we're only 100% remotely? So I'm making a tiered action plan in the sense where I'm planning for, how is it gonna look if I'm teaching 100% remotely, if the library is gonna go hybrid, or if uh, we're gonna be face-to-face or a combination of three. So I'm just trying to put as many precautions on my plan this year um, even things as simple as where I'm going to lay the tape on the carpet so okay. kids know exactly where to stand when they are checking out books or uh, looking for quotes for those plastic separators to install on my circulation desk. I mean, these are things that I had never thought that I would even think about, but um, desperate times come for, you know, call for desperate measures. but. In addition to that, I mean I'm really trying to involve myself in more certification opportunities. Like I recently just became a Google trainer. So That is, yeah, took me forever, (laughs) but uh, I highly recommend for anybody to take that on because um, now I can encourage my staff to maybe seek their own Google credentials and certifications because, you know, at the same time, I want them to feel confident in what they're doing virtually and just kind of give them that confidence and um, really creating those training materials for my staff so they don't feel like there's you know, no stones left unturned. I want everybody to feel confident and empowered at the beginning of the school year not feel like technology is one aspect that they're going to have to worry about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of editing my video tutorials for the students, since I don't know how the beginning of the school year is going to go and also catching up on some books for my fall book talks, whether I have to record them or I can do them in person. um, That's definitely something I've fallen behind so much on my reading since the pandemic happened, but I am determined.
0: (laughs) Ready, whether it's virtual or, or live in person, you'll be ready. (laughs) Hopefully. Yeah, you will be. Okay, so with your influence that you have on campus, I mean, you've talked a lot about the kids, you've talked a lot about the teachers, how do you really see the role of a librarian, librarian impacting what's the
1: campus and what's going on? Um, well, you know, I really felt like, the past several months, especially, especially since, you know, there was a lot of school closures for the most part and everybody was working from home. Um, I think it really highlighted the role of the librarian or library media specialist because there are so many tools and so many resources that the library hosts that maybe a lot of people weren't too in tune with or maybe didn't know too much about, so, you um, my job, and I can only speak, you know, for myself, but of course, what I've seen on social media is that, you know, they really, librarians in general, really stepped to the plate and mm-hmm. created these innovative ways to, to you know, create that outreach in their community involving, you know, what the library has to offer, resources, you know, tech support, the program, the virtual programming mm-hmm. that that we all took part in or that we've created for our students. So, I mean, our influence is, you know, is greatly, uh, I don't know, I think, according to my teachers, right? They, and I had to ask them, (laughs) I was like preparing for this interview and like, what, what influence do I have guys? I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Um, I was, I was really humbled that a teacher said that, you know, that they were, uh, they admired the, I guess the amount of information that, that I, sent out to them and that I offered them and the trainings that I offered and one teacher was like I don't know how you have all this stored in your brain I'm like you guys don't even know how I that we've had all of these resources and it was just a matter of everybody coming together and now that you know you know there's no need to worry about where you can get a lesson plan or where you can find a video that goes with your unit because we have it Here and it's all curated for you and I can show you where to find it and feel free to reach out to me. So um, I was really really appreciative of the teachers that took on the virtual lunch and learns that I offered because According to some, you know, I influenced one teacher to learn and try new things, you know, they got their own digital badges uh, Kind of encouraged her to get out of her comfort zone and challenge herself and I guess I really really like acting as that point of reference for the students and the staff. And I always tell my teachers, uh, especially in emails, like, thank you for your trust, you know, because it does take a lot mm-hmm. for other educators to reach out as seasoned as they might be, you know, maybe some people are uncomfortable with asking for help, and, and I'm glad that when they reach out, that they trust me enough to guide them in the right direction. Mm-hmm.
0: Very good.
1: What about the kiddos?
0: Anything, um, any kind of impact with them?
1: Um, virtual learning. Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, and in person too, you know, the, the, oh gosh, the library is always busy before school, during lunch, after school, you know, I, I have a really good turnout, um, with the programming that I offer throughout the school year. And of course, I know that this year might look different. Um, but when we did transition to, uh, remote learning, oh my goodness, I had, I never had so many students reach out to me via social media you know they would message me do you have a tutorial for this can you help me log in and I think it was really cool that they knew that they could access the librarian through that platform versus emailing me or uh you know I guess that question of how can I get in contact with somebody that might know what I'm you know, facing with my technology, it's not working, I don't know how to log in. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the tutorials that I made for the kids and the staff was based on the questions that I was getting from the students when they would reach out on social media. So um, at the end of the year, I just had so many resources. So at that point, it was like whatever question the students had, I had something to use to help them answer it. So. I really thought it was sweet. <laughs> I really thought it was sweet that they that they knew that they could reach out to me and just going back to trust that they trusted me enough to know that you know what Miss Q would be the one to know why yeah. because, you know posting these things on Instagram information I would post a little announcement saying if you need help with your email if you need help with Google Classroom if you need help turning in assignments let me know and they really they really took that advice on a based on a simple post. You know, a simple little Canva announcement posted on Instagram and I had over 300 students reaching out to me uh, in total and every day was, I would wake up and by, I don't know, by 8.30 a.m. there was already like 10 or 15 kids on, yeah, uh, with messages. (laughs) It was overwhelming, but I felt very, very helpful
0: it just shows that you connected with them through their world. You know, that, that's how they would have connected with each other and they found you there and, and naturally you were there. They could turn to you. So that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, there's so much unknown about next year. You know, we've mentioned that. So is, have you thought about like what kind of influence you want to work on for
1: next year? Um, I de- Well, you know, I definitely want to get my my staff certified uh, for their Google level one and two, um, but what I mainly want to make sure that I offer is alternatives to, um, to I guess, library programming. You know, okay. I want to I want to make sure that my students feel comfortable just like they did before. You know, the library for the most part can be a safe haven for many students. So. I mean, as scary as our current situation may be, you know, finding that balance between taking precaution or the proper precautions, but also making learning engaging. And I know that that's something that's definitely going to have to be thought out carefully when I'm planning my my back to school events or activities. But at the moment, my main concern is um, just making sure that I'm also healthy enough, you know, to go back to work definitely. because I, I, I can be useful if I'm sick, you know, so taking care of myself as much as I can and kind of um, being, being a good role model for the students and letting them know that, you know, despite the situation that we're in, we can work together somehow in the library to, to you know, make the school year a, a good year.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Very good. All right, so I know one thing that I've heard you speak about several times at conferences and different events, you love talking about um, library advocacy, you know, that's a a big part of your world, and and all of that really is you do that because you are planning for their student successes. So let's just talk
1: a little bit about advocacy. What do you want to share with us about that? So, you know, when I say advocating and planning for student success, The reason that I love talking about (laughs) advocacy, I can like literally stay here for like three hours and talk about everything that we could possibly do to ensure our, you know, our positions for the following school year. But a day, I don't think there's a day that goes by or a week that goes by that I don't log on to social media or read an article from a library journal that says that our positions are under attack, you know, that they're, um, the viability of our careers is very important. And I feel that as librarians, we're only as good as the things that we're willing to learn, you know? So i mentioned micro-credentials earlier, and the reason that I love digital badging so much, you know, it is an addiction. <laughs> you know, once you earn one, you want another one. But I really consider it a, a visual representation, you know, of my skill set. Yeah. And it it also kind of serves as as a symbolic reminder of what more I have to learn, you know, because I may think, oh, yeah, I know Flipgrid. No big deal. I, I don't need to learn that again. But we know that technology moves so fast that, you know, we may learn one thing one day and then there's an update the following day. And we have to kind of relearn the platform for all we know. So when I speak about advocacy and the things that librarians can do to um, support their roles on their campus or to support what they have to contribute I would say you know anticipating what challenges their campuses face and creating a plan a plan of attack I guess (laughs) to try to answer those questions that maybe or they, you know, try to answer or overcome those unique challenges that each campus faces. And you can do that by involving yourself in professional development and learning about new platforms. So nobody can say that you're not knowledgeable in technology or that you're not knowledgeable in literacy or, you know, oh, all you do is sit behind your desk all day. Well, <laughs> as a lot of people may have learned these past several months, no, you know, we're very knowledgeable yes. in, in in so many ways, and we have a lot to offer. so you know, for any librarian that's probably worried about their their position and whether or not they're gonna have a job, I would say, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to your parents. Don't be afraid to reach out to your students. don't be afraid yeah. to watch out to you know uh, reach out to your administrators. And even school board members, I remember somebody saying, the first couple of years that I was a librarian was um, community outreach and you know attending uh, school board meetings or getting in touch with local official officials was something more so for public librarians, you know because they service the entire
0: community. city
1: or community, right? But I'm thinking, no, these are the these are the policy These are the people that are going to directly influence what happens in our districts therefore you know in our libraries in our schools right. so um honestly like as far as you know librarians coming together creating a network with each other you know um sharing resources which is one of the reasons why i like moderating the rgb library squad mm-hmm. uh social media platforms is because it really does provide us with a platform to engage Librarians from all over, not just locally, but through the state and nationally. And it's been a really great resource to see, okay, what is this librarian doing in uh, Pennsylvania, you know, or in another state where librarians are Librarian positions are being uh, slashed. And it's nice to see examples like real world examples of action steps that other librarians have taken in, in the event that God forbid, you know, something like that happen within my district or anybody else's. But, you know, I think it's important to remember that advocacy is an ongoing process and not a one-way street. So we may be doing everything that we absolutely need to on our end, but it doesn't really work if you don't get other people involved. So just making, and more so, you know, not necessarily making it about, this is my job it's important to me you know it's my livelihood but more so focusing on what is the impact on the students what is the impact on the staff you know having that data to reflect your impact so i send out newsletters um every six weeks and i made sure to send it out even while we were uh, working from home because i I wanted to make sure that my community knew that I was doing everything that I could for my campus and offering resources even from home Mm -hmm. and um, just maintaining the social media platform working with my um, the public relations specialist for my campus and keeping in contact with also my district's PR department in case you know maybe there's a story that they want to cover. So just making sure that I'm communicating with different stakeholders so I know that I, I'm using my platform to highlight the kids. Not necessarily what I'm doing, but what the kids are getting out of yep. the library's program. It's a good strategy.
0: Very good. Because that's why we're there anyway. We're there for the kids. You know? Yes, Actually, exactly. We have a job. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. why we have a job, definitely. All right. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about the media literacy tools?
1: Yeah. So, um And I'm going to use this as an example but uh, I said earlier that I'm I'm like addicted to digital badges (laughs) and micro-credentials and I kind of wanted to share that enthusiasm and um, I don't know I guess I I got a little crazy with it but I made it all just started with uh, a little game that I was playing with my teachers um you know earn your first badge if you join the library's google classroom and it turned into something completely different i ended up hosting weekly uh lunch and learn webinars for my staff and one of the i guess competencies that my understanding is that teachers low uh, score low on is the technology component yes so they need to have artifacts I guess as part of their evaluations displaying you know something that displays how they were incorporating technology into the classroom so my role to help them out was to offer these webinars for them not because I was told but because I wanted to Mm -hmm. because you know I had I had so much to tell them and so much to show them and you know there was a tool for everything and I wanted to make sure that they knew and I kind of bribed them with, "Hey, if you show up, you get a digital badge, and you can use this for your evaluation artifact." And I thought maybe five people would show up, ten people. No, the whole staff showed up, or at least all the teachers did. Yeah. And um, they really liked it. They started, you know, asking, "How can I get another one?" You know, "What can I do for this? What can I do for that?" So. It was really cool using um, a different media literacy tools like what they can get from our databases from Mac and via, how they could use our cataloging systems to um, find resources for their units or uh, different different tools that I've used as a librarian that they could use in their classes because that's ultimately the goal. You know, I'm using it in the library, but for the most part, a lot of these educational tools are used are you know for teachers you know that that's what their basic that's their main target audience right Is teachers in the classroom so i really liked and really enjoyed you know the enthusiasm that my staff displayed for learning all these tools and you know providing that professional development for them so that they could use it as part of their virtual instruction and um, anytime that there was an update i would make sure to tell them you know i created a Information Learning Center, like a Google Classroom specifically for my staff. Oh nice. Yeah, everything was hosted there for them. The tutorials, the webinar recordings, uh, handouts, a link to the surveys to get their digital badges, just about everything. Even the student tutorials, so in case a student asked for them, the, the Wakelet collection was there so I felt like it was a really good way to bridge that divide between the library and the virtual classroom so like I said you know librarians act as that point of reference for information so I think that really worked out and I I highly recommend other librarians doing that too because well I don't know it got my staff pumped so so I was really (laughs) excited.
0: You're making me think back to when I was little and was a Girl Scout you know and I had the sash and I would do everything I could to get another badge. You know, even if it wasn't something I really
1: cared about, I wanted the badge. You know? Yes, that's literally what my husband and I were just talking about, how we wanted to put our son in in Boy Scouts because, you know, it's it's an accomplishment. And it's, like I said, a visual representation of your efforts and your skill set. And it's really fun. And it it kind of becomes like a game, you know, uh, gaming instruction in, in the classroom, which is... You know every kid wants to play a game, and you know as much as we say oh it's it's, it's like a digital sticker too, you know like kids aren't the only ones in like gold stickers, okay, adults too too <laughs> yeah and and give a
0: real quick visual about um how you display your badges so
1: um for myself, I create uh, I guess what Buncee calls a Buncee business card, so I use the Buncee platform to create a digital business card and I display all my digital badges there. Um, I also create a Wakelet collection of all my badges as well, um, depending on how I'm gonna use it or where I'm gonna display it. But for my staff, I did suggest to them that they either make a Google drawing with all their uh, badges or a Buncee business card or a Wakelet. Or, you know, simply putting it on a PowerPoint. At that point, it was kind of like, whatever you're most comfortable using, you know, I may be showing you all these tools. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's whatever you're most comfortable using. So it was really fun seeing the staff create their different versions of their digital business cards with their badges. So uh, that that's something that I definitely want to add to next year, too, in case I hear that we have a couple of new teachers. So I'm excited to get them, get them their own little badges and their own little digital business cards. Well, send us some links and we'll include
0: that in the show notes so people can see, uh, see what you're talking about with the, the Buncee business card. And Yeah, for sure. Yes, I'll definitely include that. All right. So with our audience who's listening, a lot of them are early, year, early career librarians what would you recommend to
1: them as they're getting started in this career? Don't be afraid to reach out or connect. Um, I like using Twitter for uh, my professional learning network, right? I've reached out to a lot of librarians and even tech companies about information or, um, you know, education rock stars, I guess you could say, you know, grabbing ideas from there and involving myself in Facebook groups too. And, you know, not being afraid to also read professional development books, (laughs) you know, as a librarian, all I want to read is YA and graphic novels, but I do have to make the time to um, hone my profession, you know, and kind of Uh, read new literature that it's that's out there that goes with my profession, but honestly don't be afraid to reach out and connect and don't be afraid to ask questions or be afraid to share ideas and that's something that I've heard new librarians say is no I don't have anything you know to share you know why don't you present at TPA, why don't you present at TLA, why don't you present you know for your teachers, well you know I don't know there's not much I can really share and i'm thinking yes you do you have so much to share like your training has prepared you for this because what you might think might not be innovative or or special might be the answer to someone else's vision or question and doesn't matter how small even if it's a little tech tip you know little bites of information feel free to share it because I'm pretty sure that we all know something that the other doesn't. So don't be afraid to get your, your voice out there and connect and be willing to learn from others. And most importantly, sharing, you know, share, let's share with each other. Definitely. I think that's something that our field overall is really good at, you know, we're
0: good at sharing and connecting.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: All right. So you mentioned several conferences. Is there anything else that you do to help keep yourself learning and growing?
1: Yes, so I took the plunge this summer and um, also thank you to Dr. Piña for offering the opportunity, but TCA areas one summer learning series, I um, put in a proposal for a presentation, it was accepted, so I presented on Wakelet and I'll be presenting at the area one Technology conference in July. Also, yeah. um, I'm going to be doing a couple of other webinars too for for different media platforms. But um, going back to RGB Library Squad, yay! Um, we hosted our very first virtual tech camp, and that was so fun. Oh my goodness! I wish we had done this sooner, but we kind of grabbed everybody's. Um, I guess, experience, you know, different questions that we had seen floating around Twitter and um, discussion groups and wanted to form a virtual conference, not just for local librarians, but honestly, anybody that wanted to register for free um, and kind of answer questions that librarians were wondering, like, how do we uh, incorporate mental health or you know, self-care activities in the library, whether it's virtually or face-to-face, because, you know, stay, being at home is stressful. Pandemic is stressful. Um, how we can use other media tools like podcasts for, for lessons, creating virtual classrooms, uh, different... Uh, how we can put a spin to our virtual book clubs and, and book tastings. So that was just kind of like a stepping stone for for what we accomplished this summer. So based on the feedback that we got at the end of the conference, now we know what other topics we wanna to target for next year. Um, so I'm really hoping to expand on that. And you know, ultimately the point of our group is to connect with one another and share ideas with each other. And um, I just literally build a, build a community of librarians to, you know, advocate for each other, not just for value librarians, but for librarians across the state and across the nation and globally, because all of our experiences are different. And, you know, I'm sure that we all have something to bring to the table. And if we can somehow consolidate that, you know, and get, you know, advocate for each other, that's, that's ultimately the goal.
0: Yeah. And that, I would say that's part of what, what, when we build these communities like this is just resharing each other. You know, when we see something awesome, just reshare and repost. And it just helps get it out, you know, to another audience that the the initial person may not have ever reached on their own. But the more we can promote people who are doing good things and um, highlight the great things happening, the the better we're all going to be as a profession. So that's great.
1: Yes. And, you know, something that I hear often is, especially around School Library Month, you know, is some librarians feel bad because they're not getting that appreciation, you know, at their schools. Yeah. For whatever reason. Um, But I really do feel that having or being a part of a PLN is, is just really good to build your confidence Mm-hmm. As an educator and as a leader and that reassurance that you're doing everything possible for your community, whether it's being acknowledged or not, the main validation that you need to literally have is from yourself, but also the students, you know, I, I really look to the students for I guess you could say for approval you know I run I run everything by them because ultimately it's their space you know I I can do whatever I need to do for the library as an as as the administrator you know uh, of the facility but ultimately it's their space and I want them to see themselves in that space and I want them to know that that they're going to be taken care of, you know, whatever their academic needs might be, and that's what we're there for. And um, I really like and really appreciate everybody that's in that PLN community or in our PLN communities, because it really does give us that validation that maybe sometimes we feel like we're missing. And, you know, it just feels nice to know that we're part of a larger community and part of a larger purpose, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Yeah. Definitely. You've shared
0: so many good ideas today and just really spoken really to the heart, you know, of of who we are and the kind of difference that we make every day. Um, So go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you online so they can keep following you or start following you and keep
1: learning from you. Yeah, for sure. So I do maintain a blog uh, that you can find qthelibrarian.com where I offer some book reviews, tech reviews, tutorials, Um, and just sometimes rent, you know, (laughs) just event. vent. But yeah, you can visit my blog, www.qthelibrarian.com, or you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, at Q the Librarian, C-U-E, Q. there
0: we go. All right, so for all the listening audience, we'll have direct links to all of her different social media accounts. So if you'll visit the show notes, and you can find Q um, the Librarian on Twitter and Instagram, her blog and everywhere else. But thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great talking to you and I just look forward to seeing the difference you're going to keep making in the world. So thanks a lot! Bye.